Good morning, good morning. We are holding the fifth aliyah of the parsha of Nitzavim, which is the third aliyah when the parshas are combined. We went through a lot yesterday, but in, 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 although there's very fundamental ideas and very important, the covenant of us and God is in the parsha of Nitzavim, very beautiful, uplifting parsha, it's also very short, and very little new ideas in the intellectual sense. It's Hashem promising us a covenant that will be forever. As we discussed yesterday, and I went a little bit quickly at the end, Hashem says to the Jewish people, you will survive no matter what. You will always be standing, you will survive in, in the day of judgment, you'll be victorious, even when you will sin against God and you'll become like a wormwood growing out of the roots and you'll get distracted and your heart will desire to worship idols and other gods. That's okay, I mean, it's not okay, God forbid. That's terrible, but the destruction will be against the land of Israel. And so you'll be driven from the land and you'll be chased away and the land will become so barren and so desolate that it'll be a land of sulfur and salt that when the nations will come into the land of Israel and say, how in the world could anyone have ever lived here? I think it was Mark Twain that went to the land of Israel and he was like, said it's such a barren land that there's no way in the world anyone could ever survive in such a place, right? Mark Twain. Exactly with this week's parasha. So that's Mark Twain. And not we need Mark Twain to be proved. But I'm saying that, that, that's how destroyed the land will be. But it will be a destruction only of the land. Not a destruction of the people. And therefore the Jews will be scattered in exile, which exile also is a terrible punishment. But we're alive as a nation. We're still a nation. We're just a nation in exile. And then God promises us that when we will be in exile, we will recognize our sins. We'll put onto our heart to recognize that Hashem made us distinct from all the nations amongst whom we've been scattered over there. And therefore what will Hashem do? We will then return back to Hashem, our God, and we will listen to His voice. And when we listen to Hashem, and we follow His commandments with all of our heart and with all of our soul, Hashem will gather in the ingathering of the exiles. Hashem will gather us from all over the world. He will gather from all over, even if we are scattered in the furthest, furthest realms of the heavens. <coughs> from there, Hashem will gather us, from there, He will take us. We have a yachin, He will bring us to the land that our fathers have sworn to us, etc. We had a discussion after about the kibbutz galyas. So after the, the, the class yesterday, we were talking about the ingathering of the exiles, right? Ingathering of the exiles. So the ingath- here, here's the promise of what's called kibbutz galyas, where Hashem promises us that before Mashiach will come, or when Mashiach comes, when will you return? Hashem will gather in the exiles, the nations, from, the Jews, from exile amongst all the nations, and bring us back home. Some people want to say, the land of Israel already is the beginning of that kibbutz Goliath. We're already being gathered in. However, here we see clearly that the ultimate ingathering is something Hashem Himself will do. Either on the clouds, uh, on the clouds or on the backs of eagles, different interpretations, different prophecies, how this gathering of the, ingathering of the exile will take place. It will be an ingathering where Hashem Himself will come and take us from all over the world and bring us back to the promised land. Although obviously having a homeland and having Jews gathering and leaving exile and going to Israel is a beautiful thing. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. Not to in any way diminish that. But it's still a promise of Hashem. We're waiting to see the ultimate fulfillment of the Jews being gathered from every single corner of the universe and being brought back to Hashem. And when that happens, as we said, Hashem will do a circumcision of our hearts. So there's the bris, where we move the foreskin of our reproductive organ, which is a physical bris, and then there's a bris of our heart, which is a spiritual bris, an emotional bris. What's a foreskin? I, I went through this way too fast yesterday, so I want to spend a minute talking about it. What is a foreskin? 
a foreskin is a blockage that prevents from you really fulfilling who you are meant to be, right? What's a foreskin on the physical part of the body? It, it's covering on the reproductive organ. So the foreskin of the heart is blocking the emotional connection. When your heart is trying to emotionally connect, and to emotionally feel inspired or excited about something holy and spiritual, we are naturally, we are born, like we're born with a foreskin over our reproductive organ, we're born with a foreskin, a spiritual foreskin, an emotional foreskin. That's over our heart. So twice in the Torah, it talks about the foreskin of our heart. One time it says, Umaltem es that we, the Jewish people, we on our own need to circumcise the foreskin of our heart. That's one commandment. We need to for- circumcise the foreskin of our heart to remove our own emotional foreskin that's blocking us from spiritually getting excited and emotionally getting uh, you know, passionate and, and into our Judaism. But here, at the end of the Torah, we have a different verse, where it's not us circumcising our heart, rather who's circumcising the foreskin of our heart? God himself. What does the verse say? Umal Hashem elokecha, that Hashem, your God, will circumcise es your heart, es zarecha, and the foreskin of your children's heart, in order that we should be able to come to love Hashem with all of our heart, and with all of our soul, in order for the sake of our very life, meaning to have this, Yosef, let's close the door. In order to have this life, to have a true life, what's a true life? A life of spiritual attachment, spiritual connection, a spiritual involvement with Hashem. For that, the ultimate comes again, just like about the ingathering of the exiles. The ingathering of the exiles will happen not through our own effort, which is the first step, just like the circumcision of the heart begins with our own effort to remove our foreskin of our heart. But then the ultimate of it, the completion of it, is where Hashem says, I'm going to remove for you what you couldn't remove on your own. I'm going to bring you to a level of spiritual attachment to Hashem uh, for your heart, where you be connected to Hashem in a way that you could not have been connected if not, if not for my circumcision. What is and, the reason for that foreskin in the heart? Why, why would God want us to... Why does God give us a foreskin on our uh, penis? God, Why? If God says to circumcise, why did God put it there? What? Exactly. If there wouldn't be a foreskin, you couldn't circumcise the foreskin. <laughs> if there wouldn't be a non-kosher animal, you couldn't overcome the temptation to eat the non-kosher animal. So why does God create evil in the world? It's a question that you have all the time. You struggle with it. I understand. Why is there evil in the world? Because we're meant to overcome the evil. That's on one dimension anyway. There's obviously other answers. But the whole point, how do you elevate and spiritually uplift a pig? But not eating the pig. Is that how you uplift it? So why did God give us a physical foreskin? So we can do the mitzvah bris and remove the foreskin. So, and that also makes us a Jew, right? Or connected a Jew. So saying, why did God give us emotional blockages? Why does God make a human being have an emotional foreskin over his heart that blocks him and prevents him from being spiritually excited about Judaism and being able to daven into Hashem and feel... Imagine if we could pray with no foreskin. Can you imagine? We would daven into Hashem... And that our hearts would just burst the flame with love for God. You know how beautiful that would be? Imagine we didn't have a guitar. We just daven Tashem, and our heart is burning in fiery, passionate fire Tashem. It would be, we say, givaldic. It would be amazing. But then God wouldn't get plugged. We wouldn't be human beings anymore. <laughs> then we'd be angels. God gives us a spiritual foreskin on our heart because our job is to remove it. But even up to a point, Hashem says, okay, I saw you did your job, now I'm going to help you. So at the end of the day, 
is a level of love to Hashem that we earn on our own, the Avarabba, the level of love to Hashem that we don't, that we can't achieve. Where God says, I see that you did your part, now God says, I'm going to help you, I'm going to take you even further to places that you wouldn't get on your own. In the Hasidus and Kabbalah, the Av Nugim, a love of delight, a love of Hashem which is so powerful that we can't on our own get there, we get there only through Hashem bringing us to this level of love of Hashem. But you have to start by removing your foreskin, your emotional foreskin of your heart, and then you can okay. So that's the verse. Hashem will circumcise your hearts, which, as I mentioned, is the Rashi Tevas of the word Elul. So during the month of Elul, when the 13 attributes of mercy of Hashem are revealed in the world, is a time when we have extra help from Hashem in removing the emotional blockages that we have in our hearts, the emotional foreskin that stops us from feeling spiritually aroused and blocks us from feeling a love of Hashem and a fear of Hashem, etc. The month of Elul, God is helping us remove that foreskin to feel spiritually connected. Okay. Then the next Aliyah continues. Hashem will put upon you all of these curses, this, this promise, as we said before. And all those curses that Hashem put on you, Hashem will not put upon your enemies. So when we have this ingathering of the exiles, Hashem is going to put upon us all of the blessed, all of the curses, all of the blessings Hashem promised Hashem will put upon us. Which is what the next verse says. And all the curses that we experience during our exile, the whole teichecha, the rebuke that we discussed last week, all of those we put upon our enemies, those that oppressed us. And to you, Tashem says to the Jewish people, or Moshe says to the Jewish people, you will listen to the voice of Hashem, you will return to God, and God will give you such abundance in the work of your hand, that the fruit of your labor, and the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your livestock, and the fruit of your soil, will all have such an abundance that there'll be an over, le- left over, there'll be so much abundance. And once again, God will rejoice over you, to do good to you, as He rejoiced over your forefathers, when you will obey the voice of God, and listen to His commandments, and to do the words of the Torah, So again, these words, are repeated over and over, the end of the last Aliyah ends off, and you listen to Hashem, all your heart and all your soul, and again, in this Aliyah, it ends, then you'll listen to, when you will return to Hashem with all of your heart and all of your soul, with your complete emotional, so levavcha is your heart, emotions, right? Why does it say levavcha? Very famous question. Why does it say levavcha with two vases? To say b'chalibcha, with all your heart in one. That's the correct grammar in Hebrew, b'chalibcha. Chalavavcha, as you also said correctly, is two hearts. Both the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah Again, the emotional feeling of connection. Chonafshacha means with your very life, all of your energy, all of your passion, your very life is dedicated to Hashem. Two hearts, two souls. Two hearts. Two Two inclinations. How's that? Two inclinations. We have the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Toh. What's the Gemara says? The Cholavavacha is your Yetzer Hara, your negative inclination, your evil inclination, your Yetzer Toh is your, your good inclination. So when we say heart, we don't mean the physical organ that's pumping blood even though you do have in your physical heart two sides to your heart. And the two sides of your heart represent the two sides, as we learned in Tanya, that the place of the Yetzer Tov is in the right side of the heart, which is the place of the oxygen, and the left side of your heart is the place of the Yetzer Har, which is the place of the blood that pumps out the, 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 the life and the passion of your physical existence comes from the left side of your heart. So even in your physical organ of your heart, you have really two hearts. The left ventricle and the right ventricle, which are the houses of the two yetzers, the two inclinations of the person, the yetzahara and the yetzotov. Okay. 
Now let's get. What? We should aspire that both our sides, both the left side and the right side, both our Yetzir Tov and our Yetzir Hara, should be doing, that's why it says B'chol Levavacha with the letter Vays twice, even though really it should have been written B'chol Libcha, Lamed Beis Chaf, your heart. In Hebrew, if I want to say your heart, I say Libcha. Right? How do I say your hand? Yadadcha or Yadcha? Yadcha, right? So why is it, it doesn't say Yadadcha, so why is it B'chol Levavacha? It's adding an extra letter that doesn't belong there. Obviously, it belongs there. It belongs to tell you that you should love God with both your hearts, even your animals, or even your Yetzirah, sorry, should love God. Okay. Now let's get to the next Aliyah, the sixth Aliyah. Also, only a few verses long, but very beautiful, very powerful Aliyah. Ki ha mitzvah hazos. This mitzvah I'm going to command you now. It is not distant from you. It's not far away. Why is the Torah saying this? A Jew might say, the last two Aliyahs we're talking about, how we'll be punished and we'll be sent into exile. And then when, God will, when we return to God, there'll be the ingathering of the exiles and we'll be brought back home. So that means that now that I'm living in Florida, living far, far away from the promised land, right? even though Florida is like the mini promised land of uh, America, but, that's what I know. but uh, I'm far away from the real promised land anyway. So I don't have Torah. Torah, to be a religious Jew, to be a holy person and feel the love of God, is in Israel. Is when I'm close to Hashem. But now I haven't been ingathered yet. God has not yet brought me back home. So here I'm too far away. It says the motion to the Jewish people, you should know this mitzvah is not far from you. It's not distant from you. It's not in the heavens that you'll say, who will go up to the heavens and take it for us so we can do it. Meaning it's not like it's some distance on the other end of the universe. It was at the end of the heavens and the other end of the universe. It's not even on the other side of the ocean. You could be living near Israel, but on the other side of the ocean, and say it's too far. I need to cross to get onto a ship. I need to get onto a boat or onto an airplane. I need to cross the Atlantic Ocean to go get there. It's not on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. Rather, where is the Torah? The words of the Torah that I'm commanding you today, these words, they are very close to you, not just very close to you. Ma'od. Ma'od means very much, exceedingly close to you. These words of the Torah are very, very close to you. They're karov ma'od. Where are they close to you? Three places. Beficha, in your mouth. Ubevavcha, and in your heart. La'asaysa, in order to do it. So here we have that the words of the Torah are close in your mouth, in your heart, and in your actions. Which these three things are the three garments of how our soul expresses itself. How does our soul express itself? With our mouth, with dibur. Oh, no, it's not the right order. I'll get to that. You know, I'll suggest that too. In our thoughts, which is our heart, in our mind, in our speech, and in our actions. So the Torah is very close to you in your thought, speech, and action to be able to live, even if you're living in Florida, even if you're far away from the promised land to live as a Jew. Now, why is it in a weirder order? It should be thought, speech, or action. Or action, speech, thought. Why is it beficha in your mouth, then bevavcha, which is your, your heart, your, your thoughts, and then lasas in your actions? And Tanya addresses this question. The author explains that for a Jew might think that for me to be a bainani, for me to be a Jew that has a feeling of love, so to, be, to have a love of Hashem in my heart, to have a feeling of love, where I love Hashem, I can't achieve that level. Right? I said, Tzaddik, I can't achieve that level. So says the Alter Rebbe, 
what level of love do you need to feel in your heart? In your Bilvavcha, you don't need to feel a love of Hashem that's an emotional, pure emotional love. You need to feel a level of love strong enough to influence la'asayse, to influence your actions. It's called tvuna. It's an, it's an intellectual love. It's created intellectually. It may not cause your heart to be burdened with a passionate avaryaba, fiery love for Hashem, etc. But the love that you have in your mind is strong enough to control your actions. That's strong enough. So the love that brings la'asosa, the love that brings you to behave in a proper way, that's already considered a proper love of Hashem as well. The same as the word is that levavcha, la'asayisai, that what has to be in your heart has to at least be strong enough to control the way you behave, even if you don't yet feel it on a very powerful emotional level, as will be. Okay.